In a world where mental health problems are used as common tropes in various forms of storytelling, therapist Ryan Engelstad and executive producer Mike Graham try to determine what lines up with real life and what is just exaggerated fantasy. Listen as we delve into the fantastical tales told about mental health in books, movies, and television. This is Pop Psych 101. Welcome back to Pop Psych 101. I am licensed therapist Ryan Engelstad here, as always, with my co-host and executive producer, Mike Graham. I got the co-host moniker added to this week, and I can't tell you how excited that makes me feel, Ryan. So thank you. Well, Mike, not only are you executive producer, but let's be honest, you are also a big part of this podcast, as evidenced by our discussions last week. I think people are really connecting with the the vulnerability and honesty that you're sharing. So I personally want to thank you for that as well. Well, I really appreciate that. Uh, That's what we're out here to do. And uh, to be honest with you, we recorded the Silver Linings episode. And I mean, I don't know why, but a lot of people, I think, had a little bit of a maybe a connection or, or something with it. So that makes me feel really good because I, I did get some messages, some personal messages. I got a couple people like publicly posting about, you know, braveness and that kind of stuff. But I think I told you, Ryan, how excited I was if we were ever to even remotely touch someone or help someone and they they let us know like in an email and then we got an email the next day. Yeah, we sure did. So that's really exciting for us. So thank you so much to all you listeners out there to sort of emphasize this point. If you have thoughts or feedback and you want to share them with us, by all means, shoot us an email at poppsych101 on Twitter or Facebook or Gmail, poppsych101 at gmail.com. And and even go as far to say, like we, we've said it at the end of a couple episodes, but here at the beginning, like if you guys have something that you want us to talk about, like a particular book or TV or movie, like just write on our Facebook wall or or tweet us and we will do that. So that that saves me the and Ryan the effort of like going, uh, what do you want to do this week? It does. But and and I think being honest, you know, this podcast is bound to evolve if even if people just see issues within their community or country that they are curious about us covering. We're happy to cover at least giving a couple minutes to that stuff up top because I think that's something that, you know, we want to acknowledge, you know, mental health in popular culture. And that's not just in movies, but in the news or in the Oval Office. So, you know, that's where we are. Yeah. Yeah. And I like that. So we're excited. Send us some stuff. And uh, I think we- I think it'll be a lot of fun going forward. And I should clarify, I'm talking about Kanye, who clearly has some <laughs> issues, not necessarily our president. <laughs> Okay, yeah, yeah. I have theories about Kanye. Big theories, Ryan. Do you want me to... Can I say it right now? Please. Why why not? We're here. I opened the door. (laughs) This is going to be... You opened the door. This has to be said now. I can't wait till another episode. Okay. Kanye is a character. Like, and I mean in a literal sense. This man has planned this out since the get-go. Everything he's ever done, he planned it. He, He... It's all literally an act. Kind of the way my show Game Socket is all an act, but presented as real. Well, and and similar to GameSocket, a lot of people think that GameSocket is real and get kind of upset about it. Yes, they do. (laughs) 
<laughs> so people are kind of upset, you know, what, to whatever degree you think Kanye. Uh, oh, has... I don't agree with like the like where he's going with it. Yeah, I sure, just sure. think that I think that like I think it's an act. Anyway, there is my weird take on Kanye. And and if you want to hear us talk more about this stuff, you let us know, audience. <laughs> yeah. So that brings us to this week. And this being Halloween week, we thought it appropriate to talk about a Halloween-themed movie. Yeah, and Halloween what, special. Halloween special. And what could be more appropriate than talking about the movie that covers so many fears and phobias than It, based on Stephen King's novel, It, and... You know, we'll be touching on, I would say, mostly on the most recent movie that came out last year with some parts thrown in from the TV series and potentially the book. Right, yeah. We had to do a little extra digging because of the way they make movies now. They're less, a little more like quick cutting and getting less of the deep stuff. And they're just like, here's a scary clown. So, yeah, we had to go back to the miniseries and do a little research. But we're, we're here and we're ready to talk about it. So without further ado, let's talk about it. The following is an excerpt from the essay, Why We Crave Horror Movies, by Stephen King. I think that we're all mentally ill. Those of us outside the asylums only hide it a little better. And maybe not all that much better after all. We've all known people who talk to themselves. People who sometimes squinch their faces into horrible grimaces when they believe no one is watching. People who have some hysterical fear of snakes, the dark, the tight place, the long drop... And of course, those final worms and grubs that are waiting so patiently underground. When we pay our four or five bucks and seat ourselves at 10th row center in a theater showing a horror movie, we are daring the nightmare. And we are doing Stephen King's It based on the 2017 version of It and also a little from the 90s, 1990s miniseries. This movie and miniseries is about a group of kids in a town called Derry, Maine. They call themselves the Losers Club. They are Bill Dinborough, Ben Hascom, Beverly Marsh, Richie Tozier, Mike Hanlon, Eddie Kasprak, and Stanley Uris. And then we have a couple of villains thrown in there as well. The main one that we'll be talking about today, his name is Henry Bowers. And of course, the eponymous Pennywise, the Dancing Clown, also known as it, the evil, multi-dimensional, fear-eating monster. This this movie is about this monster that shows up to Derry every 27 years and feasts on the fear of the town, but especially kids. The Losers Club have to deal with bullying and also their each individual phobias and fears in order to overcome the power of the It monster and take him down take him or it down, I guess, in the end to defeat fear itself. And can we just say off the top that this movie is set in October 1988. We decided to watch it in October 2018. Oh, wow. I live around the corner from a cemetery. I watched it on Sunday night. Mike, this was a terrible idea. No, no, I agree too, because literally, okay, so I I started watching it earlier today, and, and of course... I've already seen it and everything. I just was doing a refresher and I had a ton of notes already, but I was watching it and my wife was sitting on the couch across from me and my kids were kind of running around and we had these little plastic, like, you know, the popper things that come in packaging. Sure. And there was a scene when it jumped out at the exact same moment that my wife popped a popper 
And oh. I literally threw my headphones across the room. Yeah, my wife was like crying and falling on the ground. It was great. There are a lot of jump scares, and and we might wonder what mental health issues are shown in a horror movie about a murderous clown. But before we get into that stuff, I think we both have to acknowledge acknowledge some of our discomfort in watching this movie, especially at the start, because uh, Billy's younger brother, Georgie, uh, who is the the first victim of Pennywise the Clown. In this, in this, like... Uh, this time around, yeah, this, his first this, victim. Right, this timeline, since since the last time he was around. I don't know about your kids. My daughter is about the same size and has a weirdly similar sounding voice to Georgie. My boy, too. Yeah. yeah. That high, just that sweet look on their face. Oh, yeah. Uh, I was I was like cringing in a in a sad way when Georgie was, when it happened. I like, just too much as a dad to... I don't know what it is after you become a dad and you see any sort of hurt happen to little kids. It it gets you in a spot that like didn't exist before, if that makes sense. Oh, for sure. And there's something about this movie because it is sort of set in suburbia, you know, even though there's no uh, like I don't believe that a supernatural clown fear monster from another dimension <laughs> exists. But there's something creepy. You don't know that, Ryan. Yeah, well, I'm, I have to tell myself that. There's, there is something creepy about it, and that's why I think this movie and this book has been so popular for so long that it's sort of like just believable enough that these kids could be having these experiences. And the fact that Stephen King, I mean, the exploration in the longer, obviously the novel, but the miniseries, the the amount that it it's literally exploring about like adolescence and the the loss of innocence and those big overarching themes and, of course, fear in childhood uh, is is incredibly moving and super relevant, I think, always. Right. And these kids are 11 years old. The plot, main plot of the movie happens in summer and they keep referencing like we're just supposed to be having fun. Meanwhile, they're, you know, chasing this crazy monster around. But yeah, so as we sort of jump into the mental health aspects of this movie, I think we should point out that all of these kids, well, I should say almost all, at least that we know of, have a certain amount of baggage that they're bringing into the the summer when we first started starting following them. Oh yeah. And some of that baggage is what Pennywise starts to feed on. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of his superpower is is to figure that out. And, and man, what a perfect thing to pick for today phobias. Um and every time we say phobias, I'm going to have a like a crazy lightning crash sound. <laughs> that's like Halloween phobias. <laughs> Anyway, so that brings me to the beginning of my never-ending layman questions, and that's basically the the basics of phobias. Phobias, anxiety, nervousness, uh, from what I've read, these are all different things. So what what I really am wanting to know is if you can kind of explain what, like, what is a phobia? In terms of diagnosis, a phobia does fall, to your point, under... An anxiety disorder. There's there's a lot of diagnosis, uh, such as diagnostic criteria we look for with a phobia. There are a lot of physical symptoms, and as displayed in the kids in the the movie, everything from difficulty breathing, as we see with Eddie, Eddie. who's the hallmark um, panic kid attack with allergies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> difficulty breathing, clearly some racing heartbeat. You know, all of them at different points are are sweating and and probably having difficulty, you know, keeping it together, whether they're shaking, trembling. We don't see that I can remember any nausea, but that's another physical symptom that's very common with specific phobias. 
There's also emotional symptoms, obviously. So this overwhelming anxiety or fear. Okay. Now, is it a fear that's like irrational? Does it have to be that in order to be a phobia? So to answer your question, yes. Knowing that your fear is irrational, but feeling powerless to overcome it. Okay. So it's like, it's not something like confrontation. Well, we'll probably no, get so there. I mean, but... So, right. So if, if, for example, you are a firefighter, you might ha- a fear of fire might be very rational. We would be unlikely to to diagnose that because for you that is an appropriate fear. Oh yeah, yeah. But if you're if you're a grocery bagger and mm-hmm. just the word fire gets you, that's that would be like more in the phobia aspect. Yes, because especially if you're experiencing some of these symptoms that I mentioned before, the physical ones, but also there are some other ones as well. What is then the difference between, I guess, just just anxiety and yeah. and a phobia? So like, okay, so what's the difference between fear and a phobia? When we think of fear, that's just sort of a generalized emotional response. A phobia is a a sort of a specific object or situation that causes this response, whether it's an, an intense fear or anxiety. So I should say the difference between fear and phobia is that fear is a symptom of having a phobia. Right. It just also creates intense avoidance, typically. So you'll see, you know, with fire, they don't want to be around fire. They don't want to talk about fire. Right. They're not going to have they like They can't a, watch movies with fire in it. Yeah. Yeah. They're not going to be sitting outside in the fall time with their hoodie on and all that kind of stuff, lighting a fire up. Yeah. And with most diagnoses, you know, we look for these types of responses lasting six months or more, that's when you can diagnose a phobia if the symptoms are present for that length of time. So you could be uh, afraid for a weekend, and that's like, oh, you had a rough weekend where you were some scared of some stuff, but um, this is something that lasts a significant amount of time. And with the kids in this movie, based on their various traumas, we can assume that they, a lot of them would be able to be diagnosed with phobia because they've experienced trauma that causes them to avoid various things. Now, I will say it's definitely more apparent in, like we said, the miniseries in the current, the newer movie, it's really presented as more of this is scary because it's happening right now, like in front of their faces. But they do they do make some good references to some of the things the kids have experienced in the past. So um, one of my favorite ones is Mike, who is, as they mentioned, the homeschooled kid. And Mike is, he is uh, sort of an outsider of the town. He's kind of an alone kid, and he's part of the losers group, the main, like, the protagonists of the movie. Yeah, so they mentioned from his backstory that, I guess, his family's house burned down, but during the course of it, like, his parents were in the other room trying to get out, and the door wouldn't open. So Mike has this very specific fear of fire and and of maybe basically people being trapped in a, a burning situation. So that's one of the first times, I think it actually might be the first sighting after Georgie is when Mike is confronted by uh, Pennywise right. when he's going to make a delivery. Yeah. So so in the movie, basically it opens up and like the stuff has, it happens to Georgie, the first scene of the movie, but then you kind of get into, it's like the next year. So it's like 88, 89 is when this takes place. So like the main stuff happens in the summer of 89 uh, in the current movie, there's kids disappearing they're finding dead bodies. There's all sorts of crazy stuff happening, and it's kind of just general knowledge. They they do talk about in the movie one of the characters, one of the main protagonists. His name is Ben. He he mentions that people go missing 
or are killed at six times the national average, especially kids. As the movie goes on, it does go through a scene where it goes through every single one of the protagonists and has a big scene that wraps around their fear because the monster, it, feeds on that fear and he has to, you know, in non-horror terms, he's fattening them up, you know, so that they're worth more, I suppose. But yeah, that's like the first one that comes out as the fire thing. And I think it was also the easiest one to spot, too. Oh, for sure. And and as just to kind of wrap up the, the diagnosis piece, because the other problem with these phobias and why they can be diagnosed and why it's different from fear is that it has to kind of cause some significant distress or we could think of it as like impairment in social, occupational, or in the kids' situations like family or educational type areas of functioning. And as their experiences with... Pennywise escalate. It's over the course of the summer, so they're not in school, but we could imagine that they have a really hard time functioning in school if all this stuff was going on. Okay, so it like it literally has to affect their their level of being able to function. Right. And that's why it's different from fear, because we can think of fear as a sort of typical emotional response to a lot of different things, but doesn't necessarily cause significant problems in relationships or functioning at job, things like that. Okay, so so like the checklist being irrational. You lose some actual like daily functioning when this thing is around or when you think about it. Uh, and it has to be like it has to be a very specific thing. It's not just like a general thing. Right. Well, right? that's right. That's what we call a specific phobia as opposed to like generalized anxiety disorder or panic okay, disorder. Okay. Yeah, that's why it's, just, it's, it's tied to a specific trigger. So for someone that maybe has never experienced a phobia or never seen one, what would be like a really common like you mentioned the fire one? But what do you think like the most common phobias are that maybe there'd be people out there that most people would know someone who might like have this phobia? A couple different things come to mind for me. Interestingly enough, the people that I've worked with, the most common fear that comes up is actually flying. Oh yeah, that yeah, that's me for sure. Yeah, no. Irrationally scared of flying, I won't do it. That is a specific phobia because it's only the specific situation. But it makes sense. I feel like it's a very rational phobia. <laughs> well, right. So the people with that phobia are, are going to try to convince you of that, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I tell you, I always hear, well, you know, it's the safest way to travel. And I'm like, well, first off, there's way more cars on the road. And second of off, okay, you're probably right. The odds of something happening are bad. But if I'm going to go in this life, that's the last way I'm going to go. And I am just not going to let it happen. So for you, or for for example, the patients that I've worked with with fear of flying, it, it does cause some difficulty functioning within the context of, for example, if they can't fly for work, then they can't go do things that that job might require of them. I've had kids who've had really hard difficulty issues of flying, and their family can't take vacation that they can't fly somewhere. Wow. Yeah. So this this is this real thing that gets in the way of otherwise Life. normal interactions. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, it just as a, a personal example, my wife and I, and it was her idea, one of her dreams is to go see Ireland. And for our honeymoon, she booked an Ireland trip for us. And and I'm talking like, this is not like a thing that's in our budget, but it was, we she saved and, and I saved and we scrimped. And then I started having nightmares about flying like three months before our wedding. Hmm. I mean, like daily nightmares. I, it, it, I just yeah. couldn't. I even started reading like the safety, it, like, like I went to websites that would say, this is why flying is safe. And this is why you shouldn't be scared of turbulence and all these different sure. things. Yep. And it didn't help at all. In my mind, looking back, I can say, I think I was going to go through with it. I'm, 
I can't say for sure, though, because I got lucky and she got pregnant and we couldn't fly. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, thank you. Thank you, Ben. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) But yeah, so I mean, and and to kind of continue the original question of sort of what what sort of common things where you would know somebody, I think the sort of second one, most people know somebody, and this is just personal experience, for me is heights. Okay, okay. Growing up, it was more reflected in being on high bridges and the rare occasions in which we like took a trip to New York City and went to mm-hmm. Empire State Building or when I was lucky enough to go to Paris and go to high things up there. Like I couldn't step to edges and it actually kind of got worse over sometimes. Like I couldn't do roller coasters. Okay. Uh, there was a time once when I went on a trip with my wife and we went up a lighthouse and I, I don't know if I would describe it as a panic attack or not, but I could not let go of the wall and I was just having a really hard time. Funny you mentioned Ireland. We actually went to Ireland. And if anyone's familiar with the Cliffs of Mohair, <laughs> it's it's literally the edge so of the much. earth. <laughs> it's it's like the edge of the earth, and all you see is this crazy expanse of ocean. And you can get pretty close to the cliff. I mean, they have these little walls, but like you even see people like jumping over them and taking crazy pictures. And I was uncomfortable watching other people do this stuff. Oh wow. Not to mention, not to mention the fact that. I couldn't get anywhere remotely close to the edge or walls or anything like that. Has it caused issues in my relationship or any any impairment? No, but certainly something I think that's common enough that people could associate a little bit with uh, or relate a little bit with the the symptoms that people might experience. Okay, yeah, that that way when when they hear about the more extreme phobias, you can kind of place. So if you are afraid of heights, afraid of flying, or maybe you're afraid of spiders, arachnophobia is pretty common, but. What I'm hearing when you say this, and if I'm off base, just let me know, but it sounds like, so a phobia, even though you may have this reaction, a ph- phobias can be very common, it sounds like. So like they wouldn't be placed in like a mental illness category, but but still in the realm of like the mental health category. So yeah, that's that's sort of fair. I would say for people that have like a debilitating specific phobia diagnosis, it's absolutely a mental illness. Like agoraphobia? Exactly right. So I was going to say- Which is the like, fear of leaving your house. Yeah. So agoraphobia or, or social phobia, very debilitating and you know can prevent people from getting jobs and having relationships and, and even taking care of themselves. There are some phobias that are actually really debilitating and absolutely would fall under the, the realm of a mental illness. And that's right. why we don't, we don't want to downplay it because for some people with these specific phobias, it, it causes extreme impairment. For the for the lifetime for like their existence yeah. here, yeah, and that's not to say like there there are treatment options available for people. I mean that 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 brings me to like a big question that I have written down here is, and I'm thinking on the lines of more of these extreme examples, which we will get into. We'll get into the specific phobias that are shown in the movie, but before we get there, I'm wondering how like how do you go about treating someone who is agoraphobic and can't leave their house or, or does have social phobia and can't talk to people? There are a couple of sort of classic treatment options, the most popular being exposure therapy to give you a sort of quick rundown, you know, as we it, mentioned. And, yeah. Sorry, Ryan. And, and I just wanted to make it really clear for Ryan was explaining the common ones, heights and flying and those kind of things. So if you're afraid of heights and everything, and you cannot understand like a uh, one of these other extreme phobias. Just take those feelings, and that's what this person gets. However irrational you may think that it is, that's how they're feeling when when these things are happening. Yeah, exactly. So I think it's important to recognize that 
that's why exposure therapy is successful because it treats the specific phobia as being very real. Even though the person recognizes that it's irrational, we take the smallest steps that you can think of to gradually expose the person to the thing that causes this fear response because actually the worst thing that you can do for a phobia under most circumstances is to avoid it because avoiding reinforces the the perceived danger. Because it all plays out in your mind instead of in real life? Yeah, essentially. So you're not getting what we call a corrective experience to show you that the the fear is irrational and that the thing you are afraid of is not actually justifying that response. And bringing it back to the movie, over the course of the kids' experiences with Pennywise, they realize that as a group, when they are together, Pennywise has less power over them. Because they they, they are like providing courage for each other or because they're, well, they're and, confronting the yeah. fear? And not only that, but they also, whether inadvertently or, or intentionally by Stephen King, have their own exposure therapy with Pennywise. They're looking at pictures of things that happened in the town. They are uh, having their own individual experiences with him, and then they have collective experiences with him. And over the course of those experiences, they start to realize that, yes, he's scary, but he's less scary when we're together. This sort of gradual experience being very powerful for them. That kind of makes me think of what I was thinking towards the end of the movie. And, And as the movie progresses, like we said, they go through their Here's this person's fear. Here's how it's displayed. And as Ryan was just saying, and, and they conquer the fear and they defeat him by by coming together and not being afraid and and send him back to wherever he came from. And, and the movie ends with them taking a blood oath that if he ever comes back, that they'll be there to stop him again or stop it again. And my thought when I started really thinking about what maybe Stephen King might have been thinking about Pennywise and doing a story about fear. If you noticed throughout the movies, and this is the same in the miniseries, and I believe I've read some of the books, uh, some of the book, it's the same in the book as well. He's not really physically that dangerous. It never seems. It, it like, like they can easily overpower him when they get into a physical altercation. Like, you know, they can fight him physically. He can, he can only scare them. And so I thought, I mean, Pennywise well, is fear. Well, to be fair, yeah, they, they do show Pennywise actually killing one of the bullies. Correct. They do. And then later on, they show him like biting one of the kids' faces. And he does, I think, slash Ben's stomach at some point. Yeah. Uh, yeah. A reference is made of like uh, leaking blubber or something. I think uh, no, Richie no, says. He's, he's, he's leaking meat or hamburger burger. meat. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Well, and what I'm saying is that it seemed like he's it is an allegory for just fear itself, uh, because yes, fear can take a physical toll on you, but the main thing it's doing is it is playing in your head. Yeah, and that's why in that final climactic scene, you see Pennywise just sort of scrambling, trying to show each each kid the thing that they might be afraid of most, but because they're all together. They're able to really be kind of numbed by his attempts to scare them. And then uh, gradually he throws less and less of a threat. Until he disintegrates. Yeah. And that's that's what exposure therapy looks like, to bring it back. I mean, it's starting with, if you're afraid of fire, okay, here's a picture of fire. Or can we talk about fire? Oh, wow. Then ramping up to, here's a video of fire. Or can we go to a bonfire but stand 100 yards, 100 away. yards away? Right. Yeah. Exactly. And until you get to the point where 
You can build your own fire. A lot of times exposure therapy is about building competency with the things you're afraid of. So that might look like, um, like what I said, for arachnophobia, it might be getting to the point where you go to a zoo and meet the the, the bug uh, expert and ha- are able to hold the spider in your hand or go up really close. Because now you see that I think what I was afraid of was the unknown. And that's really common in some of these fears is I don't know what would happen if, you know, for me, it's I don't know what would happen if I stand at the edge of this really high thing. But then if you do it and nothing happens and you keep doing it. Yep. You, you keep doing it, and then it shows you that there the risk that you thought there was, or you get more information, and it, and it is sort of proven out that this is not as much of a risk or something worth fearing as you thought. This stuff just blows my mind. It's so interesting to me because it just the mind is this, this ridiculously huge and wonderful thing, but it, it can play tricks on you like this. So it's just endlessly interesting for me. That being said... Guys, we're going to take a very, very quick break here, and we're going to tell you about a really cool podcast. If you like our show, you might like this show as well. But when we come back from that break, we are going to play a little game, and we are going to get in the specifics of what the phobias are in the movie It. Quick break to talk about one of our favorite podcasts, The Antidotes Podcast, Stories in Medicine, a weekly podcast hosted by an EMT turned nurse practitioner who swaps stories with other nurses, paramedics, doctors, and medical professionals. Their tales range from humorous to wild to moving, but all have shaped the way they have practiced medicine. So definitely check out The Antidotes Podcast, Stories in Medicine. And now back to Pop Psych 101. Okay, guys, we are going to jump into a little Halloween special game show that Ryan and I are going to play together. And I think this is going to be a lot of fun. The title of this game show is Do You Nobia the Phobia? <laughs> Great. I'm, I'm so excited. Hit me with your best shot. What we're going to do, everyone, is there are seven losers, and we are going to go through each of their phobias. I'm going to read the name of a phobia. Then I'm going to give a definition of what the phobia is, and Ryan's goal is to pair the character from the losers club with the phobia and if he gets it right, he has to get four out of seven right to win the game. Uh, well, Mike, what what do I win if I if I get four out of seven? I'm going to make you a really special therapist expert in phobias certificate and post it on Facebook. Okay, only if it has a teddy bear on it. Okay, we're going to put a teddy bear, <laughs> a protection bear. Okay, here we go. We're going to start with pyrophobia. If a pyrophobe sees fire, the person may sweat. Suffer dizziness, suffer dizziness, or have an upset stomach. A person with severe pyrophobia who sees fire may panic and experience fast breathing, irregular heartbeat, shortness of breath, nausea, dry mouth, dread, feeling trapped, and may tremble or faint. Pyrophobia is the fear of fire. All right. Well, I think uh, this was a good way to start since we already talked about him up front. Pyrophobia, Mike. You got it. Mike, it is. Yes. Excellent. That was a way to get us started off. Pretty easy on this, but I think some of these really jump into some pretty heavy stuff. So we're just going to go up, and and Ryan, you're going to have to correct me when I don't say these right, because there's some complicated ones here. Oh, don't worry. I will correct you. Okay. (laughs) The next one is thanatophobia. This is also known as death anxiety. This is caused by thoughts of death. 
This could be related to the thoughts of oneself dying or also the thoughts of a loved one dying. All right. Well, Mike, I, I practiced. I, I tried to get all my phobias down, but this is not one of the ones I wrote down. So I'm just going to guess here. It feels like Billy. Ryan, you are correct. It is Bill. You gotta, guys got to remember, this is just my take on it. I We obviously researched separately, so this is what I, I thought it was. From what I could see, because Georgie at the beginning of the movie is Bill's brother, the first person who dies in the movie, it, it seems like the thing that pops up is Georgie and Bill's fear of losing someone. So that that's kind of where I came to the conclusion on that. Ryan, did you think something different? No, that's pretty fair. I, as, as you were describing that particular phobia, I thought this could apply to all of them. They're all worried about dying throughout this movie. But no, that, that's, that's appropriate, especially based on Billy's PTSD of losing his brother. So that's totally fair. All right. So the next up, we have phobophobia. And this is literally the fear of phobias, fear of abstract chaos and things not being in order. But basically, this would be the most literal form of fear of fear itself. This is another one that I did not write down. I wrote down all these other things, and and you're you're doing a good job as a game show host. I'm I'm just gonna guess. I I guess I'm gonna go Ben. And I'm sorry, you have your first wrong answer so far. You have two correct and one wrong. Man, according to my calculations, was Stan. Stan had an issue. Uh, Stan, part of the Losers Club, had an issue. He was the person who rejected the idea of it the most. He pretends that it does not exist, even when he's clearly seen things and heard people talk about things. He he says in numerous times, this doesn't make sense. So hmm. from what I did as far as research on phobias, the only thing I could find that related to that was what was called phobophobia. And he was literally afraid of being afraid. Yeah. And he was the one that always wanted to be the lookout. No, that's that's good because his the the thing that Pennywise appears as is just like a creepy painting. There's no like specific thing that he's trying to scare him with. So I think that's totally a, a fair description. So so well researched. Okay, what did did you have something written for Stan? No, it's funny. Now that I'm looking at my notes, he was the one that I did not have a phobia written down for. So that absolutely makes sense. He was tough. <laughs> yeah, he was tough. All right, so yeah, so you are two for three so far, and the next one coming up. Now correct me when I say this wrong. Cholrophobia. Oh, you actually nailed it. I did. Okay, awesome. This is the fear well pronounced. Of, this is the fear of clowns. Now, I did a lot of research on this, and the the best thing I could find as far as research on this was a, an article titled "The Evil Clown," and it, and basically it goes over why people are now afraid of clowns when they when it wasn't really a thing to begin with. But this is the fear of clowns. Yeah, and I do think it's something that's becoming more popular because of movies like this, which is really interesting. This one was very clearly depicted in the movie. It is Richie. You got it. Richie, the trash mouth, cursing, <laughs> funny comedian, was chorophobia. Cl- cor- <laughs> okay, moving on, we have the next one up is dementophobia. This would be fear of losing one's mind. Hmm... Fear of losing one's mind. The fear of going crazy, the fear of becoming mentally insane. Okay. Now that that's pretty good. Mike, you're doing a good job researching because I wrote down all these other ones I saw in the movie and we haven't hit on them yet. Well, we're gonna have to go over those when we're done here with the game. All right, so as a result of that, I'm gonna go back to Ben. 
Okay, you got that wrong, and I could be totally off here, but I label that that was actually Henry. Oh, no. Oh, very good. Okay, clever. Henry. Henry is the bully. Yeah, okay, so Henry is, is actually not a part of the Losers Club, but he is one of the very main characters, and... From what I saw and thought about it, he he actually does lose his mind as the movie goes uh, goes on. It, more so in the miniseries, you see him actually l- going insane to that he kills his father. But Pennywise does also get into that and and kind of push it further. But he was definitely going that way before it came around. Pennywise treats him differently. He actually, instead of trying to kill him himself, he pushes him to kill others. And we could do a whole episode on Henry, the oh, bully, gosh. and probably psychopath or sociopath. We could talk about that whole thing. But but yeah, let's keep going with the game. That's okay. more fun. Okay, so next up. Okay, this one's my favorite. I think that this not only, and, and I'll give you a half answer here, is not only this person, but also I think this is the overarching phobia of the whole thing. This is called geroscophobia, and it is the fear of growing up or literally not the fear of getting old, but the fear of becoming from child to adult. It is one of the most rare phobias. Interesting. Okay, so based on the events from the movie, I'm going to guess Beverly. You got it. It is Beverly. If you want to go allegory, there's the blood scene. She, her big thing is she gets covered and sprayed with blood. She She's labeled around school as being promiscuous when she's actually not, which is unfortunate. The allegories sort of tend to kind of say Beverly's going through puberty heavily, and that's what her fears are being played upon, is, is her fear of not knowing what becoming a woman is. Yeah, very good. That, I, I, it's funny enough, I just wrote down hemophobia, which is the, literally the fear of blood, because that's what uh, Pennywise uses to attack Beverly with. Yeah, he sprays her. It's really gross. But yeah, the, your your description was probably way more accurate for <laughs> what's what was more deeply going on for Beverly, who's dealing with an abusive father and all sorts of other issues. I'm a deep guy. Okay, so I do. I have I have two more, but one of them isn't one, and 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 we'll get there here at the end. Okay, so but the next one is hypochondriasis. 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 This is what would more commonly be known as hypochondria. Uh, it's the fear of sickness. It's the fear of getting sick. It's the fear of illness. This can be a fear of illness in yourself and getting sick and thinking that every cough you have is a severe you know, cancer or, or some sort of going to kill you disease. Or it can be the fear of someone else that you know getting sick or sickness in general. I'm going to challenge. Can, is there a challenge option? Yeah, let's do it. Ch- what happens with the challenge? Um, it, means, it means when I educate the, the host that I get an extra bonus point. Okay, you get an extra. So, okay, yep. I'm going to say Eddie, first of all, but hypochondriasis is more generally thought of as fear of having a specific or life-threatening illness despite having no or only mild symptoms, whereas nosophobia or nosophobia is more literally the fear of getting sick or catching a disease. Okay. So the irrational fear of contracting a disease, uh, which is a type of specific phobia, um, and and I think would more accurately describe what we're dealing with with Eddie as he constantly talks in the movie about the different uh, ways they could get sick as they go gallivanting around dairy. Okay, so you get an extra point for that. So, I, I mean, that that definitely, that explanation gives you two points instead of just one. So that that means in total you got one, two, three, four, six out of seven. 
<laughs> well, well, congratulations to me. I wrote down some other phobias that are shown uh, either tangentially in the movie or just, just in general that I thought were interesting. All right. Yeah. So Ryan gets six out of seven. He conquers. Do you Nobia that phobia? And I do want to mention that Ben, there's a few very main characters in this movie. He's one of the kind of the person who figures out what it is. And he, I couldn't, I couldn't find anything on him. I couldn't figure out what his phobia was. He kind of really wasn't scared of anything, to be honest with you. Well, yeah, so it's interesting because the the way that Pennywise attacks him is just with the information that he's just read from a book. And in that sense, you know, Ben was probably the most well-read, the most um, even stable, I think, of of the kids. Agreed. He was definitely the most sound kind of minded kid. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like he was the the less, okay, I'm not, this is going to sound bad, and I really mean this in a joking manner, but he was the less losery of the Losers Club. Totally fair. Despite being attacked by the bullies, really kind of takes it on the chin. Like he, he's a pretty admirable character amongst these kids. Okay, so that that does it for do you know be of that phobia? And I don't know how to transition out of a game show, right? Well, can I just could I just touch on a couple other ones that are also common and also kind of shown in the movie? Yes, absolutely. Okay, so Georgie, who unfortunately is the first victim and dies earlier in the movie, is shown as being really scared of. The, the basement, which we can identify as a couple different phobias, we could think of it as claustrophobia, which is a pretty common one, fear of closed spaces, uh, clethrophobia, which is specifically the fear of being locked in a closed space um, or locked in a closet or basement or room. And then another common one that kind of comes up as a result is, and it's two different ones, it's either uh, nyctophobia or scotophobia, which is generally the fear of the dark. So a, lot, a couple other common ones that people are probably more familiar with. So where would we have seen Fear of the Dark in this? Uh, and I don't disagree. I just, I just didn't catch it. Fear of the Dark or Closed Spaces are definitely Georgie in that initial scene where he doesn't want to have to go into the, oh, the basement. That's right. I, that part was just so hard to watch. Yeah. Well, he starts freaking out. He sees little lights. He's hearing noises, which frankly, I think is something that most kids can probably relate to. Again, this sort of fear of the unknown, fear of what you can't see. And then throughout the movie, Pennywise is constantly showing up in in dark, creepy spots. Like, I think only once does he show up, like in maybe no, twice, twice in daylight. Um, once with Mike, Mike's getting beat up by the bullies and he's like across the river. And then another with Eddie when he's in the back of the house. But like typically, you know, he's in dark, damp, creepy places you don't want to be. Well, yeah, I mean, I think that would scare anyone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that, yeah. I'd, I want to point out here, this It was scary. Much scarier than the Tim Curry version. I'm going to oh, give sure. him the win. Wait, so we don't have a lot of time left here, but I think there's a couple important questions to ask if we can kind of run through them real quick. Yeah, so I do have one question for you, Mike. And, and okay. people have been, I think, really connecting with you as you shared some of your own experiences with mental health issues. I know talking with a lot of my patients that there are a lot of very common fears when it comes to having mental illness, you know, whether that be being a burden on their their loved ones, friends, family members, you know, not being accepted or being judged. So I was wondering for you if there was any specific fear that that maybe jumps out for you as you think about your experience with mental health. So Ryan, it, it, it's so weird with you and I, we're like one half of, you know, of the same coin. Like we're we're total opposites, but when it comes to this stuff, we really think similar in a similar way. Because I thought about this earlier today, like what would what would be my thing? It, but exactly the way you just put it, not 
generally phobias, but like with my issues is what I was thinking as I was driving home from Starbucks, which was my office today. And it would be the fear of my wife leaving me. Okay. Because of, because of my mental illness. Yeah. She is, uh, she's a rock man. And my fear is that no matter how hard that rock is, that I'm going to chisel away at it and break it. Hmm. And, you know, this can be so hard to deal with. Just being me, I can't even imagine what it's like to be her. And, and, I mean, she, you know, she's not perfect as far as, you know, she has problems and and things like this. And everyone does. So she has her own stuff to deal with, you know, job, everything, even some of her own anxieties and things. But then now she has to, even at some points, take care of me. And, um, yeah, it's scary. Yeah. And, and that, that also is a very common fear. I was ta- I talked about being a burden being one that comes up a lot of times for my patients and, and what you're talking about is very similar to that, that this feels so heavy to you. You, as you mentioned, sort of can't imagine how heavy it must be for someone else. But I think the thing that I always come back to with my patients is, People who are experiencing mental health issues also know other people that are experiencing mental health issues. I'm assuming you do not uh, judge if someone else shares their own mental health issues with you. That's not something that you feel burdened by. If anything, it is something that you are grateful for, happy that they would be vulnerable with you, that it, it turns into this positive thing. And that's, that's always oh, sure. something yeah. that I try to remind people of is that, you know, even though it feels heavy to you, that your support people do have a an ability to to stay the support person and to not take it on themselves. And and I see that and it's I guess it can just be hard to imagine because yeah. it's so stressful sometimes. It can be stressful, you know, it, when you're like my wife when you're working is she's an accountant so she's got that, she's a mom and then she has a a husband who I mean just to completely once again be transparent has issues that can be so extreme that I, I literally can't function outside of my own house for like per- long periods of time. Yeah. Yeah. So I just, um, I just really, I love you, baby. <laughs> no, but I just, I just, uh, you know, I'm glad I have her. Yeah. And, and I think that's why, you know, the, the support system is so important for people who have, mental health uh, struggles because being able to have that as you said you you said the word rock it's like that's the thing that you can rely on when you can't rely on yourself yeah i I don't think that i can say it better than that to be honest well thank you for sharing that i think that's something that certainly a lot of people can relate to and as we talk about fears whether it's fears that we had as kids or fears that we have now as we confront our own issues whether it's exposure therapy and gradually confronting the the thing that that scares us or just getting help and relying on the people around us to help us deal with those things as the kids and it do, that there are ways to beat these things that scare us, that even if it feels insurmountable and irrational at times. Wow. Okay, Ryan, thank you for that. That I mean, it means a lot, all the things you said, and, and I think that, as usual, you're absolutely right about just about everything. All right, everyone, I'm so sorry. I'm going to have to put this episode to an end a screeching halt because we don't have a lot of time left we're trying to keep these around an hour and and we still have to get to our ratings for the day so we could talk about this 
this particular topic, obviously, for an incredible long time, because I have a list of like a thousand more questions. I'm sure you do too, Ryan. Yeah. Oh, we could talk about fears, whether it be personal or or otherwise, for quite a long time. <laughs> we're doing this every week, so we're going to get back to this topic again. And even even the topics we've already done, we'll come back around to those again and, and try to do them better than we did the first time, for sure. Right now, we're going to jump into our ratings. Ryan rates one out of five on the scale of accuracy of portrayal of mental health issues in the media that we're covering that day. And I rate one out of five on my level of enjoyment. Uh, so, Ryan, uh, what is your scale today? What are you using for your one out of fives? Out of five clown shoes. Out of five clown shoes. All right. What do we got? The movie It very accurately portrays some... Um, uh, some fears and some issues that people have following tragic events in their lives, whether it be Billy or Mike or or Beverly, all these kids are experiencing uh, uh, trauma or abuse in one form or another. So in that sense, there's a lot of accurate stuff portrayed. We have to acknowledge my hope that Pennywise is not real, and, and thus, anytime he's involved, this is not an accurate description of anything mental health related. As a result of that, and, and I think the other thing that kind of broke me in watching this movie is the utter lack of consideration by any adults in town. That's, I think, a theme that Stephen King often plays up, especially when he has right. kids in in his stories. But this one in particular, the adults literally can't see the things that the kids are experiencing, whether it's the blood in the bathroom with Beverly or the the clowns chasing them. I all know, these sorts and of kids stuff. already feel so invisible. Yeah. So that kind of broke me as a therapist because honestly, when I do family work, you know, that's one of the biggest things I do is try to get the families, whether it be the parents and the kids on the same page is like, this is what the problem is and this is how we're going to work on it. So from that regard, I don't want especially kids to think that adults can't understand or can't see the things that are causing problems for them. That's a terrible message for any kid to take away. So as a result, I'm, I'm going to give us a one clown shoe on a scale of zero to, of of one to five, this is a one clown shoe. I was I was like <laughs> Ryan, this has to be. One. That's what I'm thinking, Ryan. You got to go one. This is the there's there's nothing. Yeah, uh, especially the new one. If we're going on the new one, there's nothing there. I like I said at the beginning at the top of the episode, I literally had to go back, not only to the miniseries but also online to get some real substance for some of these phobias I was even researching because they really glaze over it in the newer one. Yeah, and to be fair, it, it would be very surprising if any of these kids could actually meet diagnostic criteria for any of the specific phobias. Right, now, and I thought that too. Yeah, if we're talking PTSD, I think some of them probably have some of that. We were talking tangentially about Munchausen syndrome with Eddie, but you know, really, it's, those it's, aren't it's, as fun for a Halloween it's, episode. Right, it's it's few and far between, honestly. So one one out of five clown shoes for me. Okay, I do stars every week, uh, so I'm thinking I'm gonna have to put this one out of three. And I'm going to go three for both the miniseries and the new one. I thought it was scary. I love. I actually really like scary movies. I've always, I really enjoyed the plot, especially the part where uh, there's a scene in the movie where Ben sort of gives the backstory of Derry and what it is and how it, how it comes around every 27 years and feeds on the children and things like this. Super interesting, but like three minutes long. The jump scares were great. The The clown was scary. But as far as just like overall beginning to end, it's a three. And I think that's pretty fair. Um, I also don't like scary movies. So this was a, a difficult one to do just from that. But I think a little exposure is good for everybody. Ryan, you really know how to end an episode. <laughs> <laughs> so 
We're going to have to pull an end to this episode. I think it's been a really good one. I want to say thank you uh, personally to Ryan, as usual, but to everyone who's been listening. Uh, it's been kind of really exciting for us. Our downloads or listens or whatever you want to call them have just been going up every week uh, in this really awesome trend and, and people have been writing us and it's just been really exciting and, and the entire reason that we're doing this is to help and educate and it looks like we're starting to begin the process of, of reaching more and more people and that just makes our goal actually accomplishable so thank you thanks everybody we had a lot of fun talking about phobias and Stephen King's It but this is going to be one example where there isn't as much to take away from a mental health perspective. There's no question that these kids have been through some very real, horrifying circumstances, some of which have nothing to do with Pennywise the Clown. These childhood traumas can leave a lasting impression, as they do on the Losers Club. People often downplay their childhood trauma, but it can be incredibly powerful to get help to effectively process negative events from your past. Therapeutic approaches like EMDR and cognitive behavioral therapy have been shown to be very effective in reducing the emotional impact of past trauma. Finally, it's also important not to downplay phobias and the potential for them holding us back. People often fear going into therapy will mean being there forever or having to be put on medication, but there are also situations where a few weeks or months of therapy can make a huge difference in someone's ability to cope, and that might be all the treatment necessary to make a difference in that person's life. So I know I say it all the time, but help is out there, even for seemingly small issues like phobias. Thank you so much for listening to our show. Thank you to my executive producer, Mike Graham. If you like the show, please check out our social media pages. We are on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. See the show notes for links to those pages. We also love hearing from our listeners, so if you want to give feedback or suggest something for us to cover, you can email us at hoppsych101 at gmail.com. We are now on all major podcast distribution channels, so please subscribe, rate, and review our show. We would greatly appreciate it. For Mike Graham, I'm Ryan Engelstad. Thanks for listening to Pop Psych 101.